0: Okay, so we're in we're in Exodus um, this section here, 25 through I don't know exactly. 25. We're talking about the tabernacle, and it starts in 25, and it goes. You know, like I said last time, there's a there's a lot of um, there's a lot of talk about. How it is to be built, and then there's a. Then following that, there's very very similar chapters on how it was built. That that basically almost repeats the chapters on how it was to be built. And and I'm not going through um, I'm not going through like uh, verse by verse or even chapter by chapter. I'm more trying to just talk, just share some things from my heart. Um, that seem to have come into view over the years about the tabernacle, and and, um, and and I know I said this last time. I just feel like I need to say it again. I know it's a small, a very small view of the tabernacle, um, and and I don't. So I don't want you to think uh, more of. I mean, you know, some some of the things I'm saying here are things that I feel like I've seen uh, clearly. And 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 maybe they're what the, I mean. How do I want to say it? Sometimes I, I I feel like you can see something really weird, really really weird, really real, and you can kind of and and you can um, apply it to a verse that maybe doesn't really even speak of that reality, and yet what you're saying is really true. Whether or not that's that's the intended purpose of that. Shadow or not, and sometimes I feel like that with regards to the tabernacle like I feel like i've I've seen uh the Lord's step with my heart about some some things about uh about you know death or about the washing or about uh, the the house of god and and when I read about the tabernacle that's what comes to my heart, and sometimes I'm not totally sure that that's exactly what I'm supposed to be seeing in that particular scripture, but it is what i it is what comes to my heart so anyway, I say that just to say as i as I often do um Take all this with a grain of salt and, you know, and at the best, it's a, um, it's a, it's an advertisement for for you to turn your own hearts to the Lord with regard to these things and um, let him make some of this uh, real in you and... Uh, if any of you have any thoughts about this, or or have read anything that you think is really superb, you know, I'd love to know about it. So, but um, what I can share is is what's uh, real in my heart, and that's what I'm going to try to do. So, um, all right, those disclaimers out of the way, uh, we we stopped last time talking about we were talking about the way and and saw that that the way is death the way is a a total removal or judgments of the flesh a death to death putting death to death in the death of Christ and in the cross of Christ and how that is that's it's always the way um, in so many different pictures um I mean you can say Christ is the way and and but what is what is it about christ what is, what did he have to do when he said he had to when he had to go and prepare um, for them to go to the father's house he had to do something he had to prepare uh the a place for them with with his uh in his father's house and the way that he did that was by His death, I mean, that was the way, and and you see that in so many different uh, types and shadows. You see that that's the way they got out of Egypt, uh, was a way made through death. The death of the Lamb opened up, you could say, opened up the the Red Sea for them, in a sense. And death is just, and we focus on that, I'm not going to go back into all that again, but um, we... We kind of ended up talking last time, if I remember correctly, about how nothing lives beyond the door except for Christ and His living, present, spiritual work in the soul nothing remains really you know i know a lot of things can remain in our unrenewed mind that the lord is is putting away through um the shining of his light in our heart showing us his finished work showing us what he has judged and put away at the cross and 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 yet it needs to be put out of our hearts through the rene- through the renewing of the mind or the revealing of christ or um there's a number of ways to talk about that reality, growing in faith. Um, so, so there's there's nothing beyond that door. That the only thing that lives beyond beyond that way, beyond that door, is Christ, all and in all. And our journey then, or the thing that begins to make that true in us, is. Um, when the heart begins to be unveiled or the the heart be, ha, has the veil taken off of it to see the glory of God to see where God has placed it to see what God has done to see where uh, and there's so many scriptures that come to my mind immediately you know, like Exodus 19 we talked about this a while back uh you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I raised you up on eagle's wings and brought you to myself uh, to make you a, a nation of kings and priests. And 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 God begins to try to teach them that reality. He tries to show them the truth. Because the way brings them into something, but unless they know the truth, they're not actually free from what they knew before. Does that make sense? The, the way the death of the cross, being baptized into Christ's death, actually brings us into that work. And yet, if we don't, it's only to the measure that we'll walk around in our in our hearts, we'll walk around in slavery to that which, the, the only thing that we know, the darkness that we know, uh, even after being born again, the darkness that still resides and, and reigns in our unrenewed minds, we will... That will be our reality to the measure that we don't know the truth. So, knowing the truth is an incredibly vital and powerful thing. It's not just learning true things; it's waking up into a completely true and other than reality. And and the difference there, man, I can't I can't say it strong enough. Um, words don't cut it, and and, and so. There's a bunch of scriptures, I mean, that are just popping into my head right now as I say this, like in in John chapter 8, where Jesus says, you know, He he says to those who are, uh, who, who believed in Him, He said to those who believed in Him, if you continue, or if you abide, or if you remain, depending on your translation, in my word, then you will know the truth. And the truth will make you free. And someone says, "Well, I thought he was already talking to believers. They must already know the truth." Well, they know that he is the truth, but that's different than knowing the truth that he is. You see, they they know that he that Jesus Christ is the truth, and every Christian, everyone that's born again, knows that Jesus Christ is the truth. But but far fewer know the truth that that is Christ, because knowing the truth is. That, that, that Christ is, is the, the soul being, it's, it's the soul that has been joined to Christ waking up by, by His own light, by His own revealing, uh, the soul waking up out from among the dead and seeing and living in and possessing and taking hold of and, and knowing in a, in a, in a union type way, uh, the, the life that now is in the soul. And and it's a and and unless you know the truth you'll never be free. See freedom isn't I don't know how to I don't know how to chop up the words exactly or 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 define them all perfectly. But I I, I what I wanna say is that salvation get, getting born again brings you brings you into god brings you into the the covenant with god and, and truly does bring you out of the the first man and the, and the and the and the world crucifies you to the world but but it's but knowing the truth is where freedom starts that's where the rubber meets the road when it comes to freedom when it, when it comes to actually becoming free from something a lot of times believers don't even know what they're supposed to be free from they They actually think that their flesh has now been made free so that they can live their lives when really their their flesh is the thing that they're supposed to be becoming free from they're They're supposed to be free from adam and and people a lot of times think that Christ purchased freedom for adam we're we're just really confused. And and you don't know you don't even know what you're a slave to you don't know who your enemies are you don't know what bondage is you don't even know the nature of your bondage until the truth until until you start to visit that laver which is the second thing in the tabernacle which is why I'm I'm talking about all this because the laver to to me at least in my heart that laver they the priests had to wash their hands and their feet um in in the laver. Whenever they offered unto the Lord, whenever they went into the into the sanctuary or offered uh, uh, anything on the uh, on the altar of God, and the the greatest problem, if, if I can, just speak a little dogmatically for a minute, the greatest problem with every born again believer, including myself, is that we don't know the truth. We know a lot of true things. And we know the, that we have the book that has a lot of tr- truth. That 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 is all you know is true words. And 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 we we think that by studying and learning and and celebrating and even in a, in, a, in an emotional way enjoying those true words, that we actually know the truth. And I think that's that's really where we're perhaps most dangerously deceived because as long as you don't, as long as your soul isn't actually knowing, possessing um, the truth as a living, present light of life shining within, then you're not, you're, you are still, you're like Israel out of Egypt in the wilderness, still Thinking of uh, Egypt, longing for Egypt, wishing you could worship the gods of Egypt, wanting your relationship to, to God to be like the, the imaginations you had in Egypt, fearing the government of Pharaoh, worried about him coming after you. I mean, the whole thing, it's just a big mixture of things that are supposed to be, things you're supposed to be free from still living and reigning in your heart. And the only way that you ever get free from anything is when the truth as it is in Christ becomes the truth as it is working in your soul. The truth as it is in Christ has to become more real in your soul than the thing that's in its way. And everyone has got a million things in the way of the truth. We've got a million uh strong what scripture calls strongholds of the mind or imaginations, high things that have risen up against the true knowledge of God, all of those things, everything that you've ever thought about God, every single thing that you have ever thought about God that has you as its source, That, that in other words, it's your conclusion, it's your decision, it's your belief, it's your uh, interpretation, it, every single thing that has you as its source, is in the way of the truth is not just wrong it's worse than wrong it's wrong and it's an obstacle to knowing Christ and when you see Christ in 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 place in the place where you've had a, a stronghold a high place an imagination he doesn't just, change it he doesn't correct it he always you you see him and you see that the seeing of him could never have sat next to or been in the same it's not even from the same source or life or or mind it's it doesn't fit with your idea it doesn't confirm your theology never it doesn't even confirm your belief it 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 replaces your belief with faith. It replaces belief with a living faith that is the spirit's view, the spirit of truth's view working in your heart. And and if and to the measure that you don't know the truth uh, in this way, what you think you know and what you think you even maybe teach is um I know this sounds strong and i don't i don't know it's it's but it's true and and I'm not doing anyone anyone any favors not to say it i it, what you think you know that isn't a present um, perspective that was given to you in the light of his appearing is your worst enemy. It stands there and opposes the Lord. It rises up in your heart and says, here is knowledge. It is this idea, this concept, this interpretation that I have in my brain. It's something that I learned from a book. It's something that I heard someone say. I ha- that is knowledge. That is understanding. But that, that's just not it. You, you can't hold... Spiritual knowledge in that vessel, you cannot do it. You have to, you have to take it as I've been talking recently. You have to take it from the Lord's hand. You have to eat it presently from the Lord's hand. You have to. It's as soon as it's a memory, it's dead. It's not food. And I don't know. Maybe there's some questions about that. You can ask me later. But I, I just feel really strongly about that those days because it's where honestly the Lord is dealing with my heart about about that in a lot of ways. So, so. Um. After coming to the way, we need to we need to learn the truth, or we'll never experience the life. Okay, you come to the way, you have to know the truth, or or what you'll experience is your life. And and everyone that's truly born again, born born again, all Christians come to the way, but so much of the time, the truth never even, never even is allowed to show them the right the, the way that they actually came to. So they don't experience that life. And, 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 and they live their, their lives contrary to it. And I'm not saying they're not born again. Um, I think that in many cases uh, they are. And yet, what they think is Christ, what they think is Christianity. It's like Paul says, they will suffer loss, yet they will be saved. But, but as one passing through fire, they will suffer loss. What will they suffer the loss of? Everything that they think is going to stay. Everything that they think is part of the, the the gold, silver, and precious stones. That's really wood, hay, and stubble. It's 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 all. If it's not. Uh, of the same nature as the fire then it can't stand in the fire if it's not if it's not part of light then it's exposed by light and cast out and and, and so i think that the laver has to do with this uh, with this reality i don't know uh I, the, I, i've i've thought that perhaps the washing of the hands and the feet the hands uh, and the feet being the things that primarily touch the um, touch the earth that carry with it the residue of the of the world that we've left behind kind of a picture of that or the things that are touching the death of the sacrifices that are offered on that altar um, but but primarily and I think that that's true of John 13 too where Jesus is watching their feet I think that's, that's a picture of how they're supposed to love one another um washing the world f- helping each other loving each other washing the world from each other um and and serving each other in that way to to do all that we can for one another as members of the same body to to um in in this journey of knowing christ to to help each other wash ourselves fully from where the the residue, the stains of the earth, are still sticking to us, because he who has taken a bath is is clean and only needs to wash his hands and his feet. Right? Jesus says that to them when they're um, when they're sitting around for the last supper, and 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 so Peter didn't need the whole his whole body wash because he he had been made clean by receiving the word which is Christ but he did need to have his his feet washed and so Jesus does that and so i see that here it seems to be a picture of various ways or very how do you say it um various aspects of facing the truth okay one thing is that um it's made well well, let's start with the water. It's, it's full of water, and, and I, I see that, like I said, it's kind of like the cleansing, um you know, that one scripture Paul talks about the washing of the water of the word, and that's not just like the, it's not like taking a Bible bath or something like that, that, that's, that's the living word that actually defines it, that, that washing that takes place is, is that when that living word, um soaks in and and washes away all things that are contrary to truth and and um, and cleanses the the thing that God has purchased the vessel that God has purchased for himself so that it 's not uh, stained and and um, um, polluted corrupted by any other contents in that vessel you know what's what's a what's a good what, if you reach for a cup in, in the, in the cabinet to get a glass of water. What's the one, do you choose the one that's got some kind of like brown stuff at the bottom of it? Or do you choose the one that's absolutely got nothing in it? You know, the, you, you, and what do you, you know, you choose the one that's, the, the, the valuable vessel is the one that doesn't, doesn't mix anything with, um what you're trying to drink. And, and so what do you do with this, with the one that's got the brown stuff in it? You know, you, you, you run it under the water until the brown stuff's gone. And so that's, you know, the washing of the water of the word, the, this, the, the vessel, which is the soul. It, it is a, it's a created to be filled with and to be defined by and to, um, and to bear the image and the weight, the weight of glory. It's created to carry the weight of something else. It's not. It's it, it's created to be a, a living showcase and a container, in in a very very unique way. Nothing else in the creation can do it. And there's no, no other. There's the buildings can't do it. Um, you know, and, and and I say that because a lot of people think that the glory of the church like comes and goes in meetings. Buildings don't. Can't do it. He, you know, only the you know animals can't do it. Trees don't do it. Beautiful sunrises. I mean that those things point to glory, but the the actual greater glory, the actual substantial spiritual glory, was created to live in one particular vessel that could carry its weight. In fact, that that word glory, uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, actually is is a Hebrew word that that actually is comes from the word weight or weightiness. You, the the glory of God uh, fills up his vessel and doesn't let anything else in it. That's what he desires. And and you see that in a number of Old Testament pictures too, like when he fills up the tabernacle of Moses and Moses couldn't even go in, or fills up the Temple of Solomon. Solomon, all the priests fall on their face and can't even do anything. He doesn't want his vessel tinctured with other substances. So... um okay so but the other another thing that's interesting about these mirrors as it says in a couple of places that they were made out of the um, brass mirrors of the daughters of Israel and I just think that's just too um, such a strange little detail that is just too perfect to be not important um, that the, it didn't say that you know, Brought together their earrings and and made it. They made it out of their mirrors. And uh, so and because and the reason I think that's essential is because there's there's a number of uh, both pictures and specific verses that have to do with facing the truth or knowing the truth or being washed from what isn't true or being cleansed from the wrong image. It uh, with a mirror. The mirror is. But, but see it's a different it's a looking glass but or a mirror but it's not the kind that you you, th- you think of it's the mirror of God the mirror that God describes is it, it doesn't show what you see in that mirror it shows what God sees it does it's the pla- it's the place you go to to see a To see God's perspective, God—you could say—God goes to this mirror to see Himself in the person of Christ, so to speak. And that might—that might might be heretical in some way that I don't understand. But uh, what what I mean by that is, like, I don't mean there's literally a mirror, and I don't mean God's looking around for His reflection. I just mean that this this language of a of a mirror is the—it's like the thing into which God, um. The thing that displays or shows a perfect representation um, – yeah, yeah, I can put up the diagram again. That's a good idea, Ryan. There you go. So, yeah, so there's, you know, the altar is uh, – bur- the burnt offering is right there at the door. And the next thing you bump into before you get into the sanctuary itself – is the laver and the laver is this big, you know, round bathtub like thing. Alright, so <clears throat> yeah, so there's the diagram. So the mirror and and also that would have been a reflect you know, even, even the water itself would have been reflective, not just the fact that it was made out of the mirrors. And and so there's there's a a few places, you're probably already thinking of a couple of them in scripture where the mirror is directly associated with us seeing a true view of what God has done and being changed as long as we keep looking into it, into the thing that it's showing us. Okay? Uh, The the, the two most prominent ones are um, the second uh, Corinthians uh, chapter three at the end where hes the whole thing is about the first and the second glory, the glory of the former and the glory of the latter, and how looking into his looking into the glory of the Lord, we are beholding how is it we are we, we with unveiled face behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, and we are transformed into that image from glory to glory. So what are we seeing in the mirror? We're not seeing our flesh. We're not seeing the, the nature that God has put away. We're not really even seeing ourselves either. We're really seeing the one who defines us. We're really seeing, you know, it's not really about our own glory in any way at all. It's about him, the glory of the Lord. And as when he is revealed, then, then we are revealed together with him where he is. When he is revealed, Colossians chapter 3, then we are revealed together with him in glory. So we're there where he is, but he is the defining of us and no one ever sees him and glories in themselves. You, you just can't. You can't look in this mirror and ever, you can't look in this, unless you walk away and forget what you saw, which is what James talks about, right? You, you never look in this mirror and see yourself and say, wow, you know, like look what God's made me into. You don't. You don't ever see that in the mirror. You might see that in your imaginations. You don't see that in the Lord's mirror. The mirror, it displays a, a clear re- representation of the glory of the Lord. And if you see that, you're changed into its image because it's already true. You're in 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 the sense that. Um, I mean, this is such a this is a horrible analogy. So try to take the sliver of goodness out of it and ignore all the the dumb the dumbness of it but um it's like if someone at school when you're a kid says you have a you know um i saw this thing when i was a kid i I seriously cannot believe i still remember it but i i was like in like seventh grade um it, it, it it was it was in the youth group or something and and this um and this it was about like how calling names calling people's name calling people names hurts and 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 these kids were calling this girl eagle beak cuz cuz she had a big nose you know Well, she actually didn't have a big nose but they just called her that and she would go look in the mirror and how like she would actually see like this eagle beak in the mirror and uh and she like was really sad and i forget what happened but the whole point was like don't call people names cuz it hurts but like to use the eagle beak analogy for my, for my, for my story here. So, like, let's say she goes and she actually gets a clear mirror and she looks at it and her nose is totally normal and, like, and, and, and she, she keeps looking and the truth of it, looking in the mirror doesn't make something true. Looking in the mirror makes her know what is true, you know, so that she becomes free from this eagle beak lie. Okay, then again, that's a really bad analogy, but, Um, But the the truth of it is this, God has brought us into Christ, given us a new life, made Christ unto us righteousness and wisdom and sanctification, given us the mind of Christ, all of which we don't even know. We don't even see it in the right light. And we come to this mirror, we come to this laver, we start to wash in this laver, and what is underneath that scum, or underneath that deception, or underneath that uh, lie, is what the true mirror of God shows you is this this amazing reality that begins to a finished true reality that begins to wash away from um, from our soul everything that's contrary to it. and And so a whole lot of things died there at that door that are still alive in your heart. What does the labor do? It washes them out of your heart. You know they're already dead, but the residue stuck to your hands. You know, or uh, God put put to death so much in the cross of Christ. Do you have any idea how big that death is? You won't until you look in that mirror and see what's dead to be dead, and see what's alive to be alive, and stay there and don't don't walk away and and be a forgetful hearer of the word that God has implanted in you. See, that's what the whole, that whole section there in First in James, First James, the first chapter of James, hinges upon the, the way that it says uh, in, that God has uh, generated us again. How does it say? Let me look it up here. Hold on, give me a second. James one eighteen Of his own will, he brought us forth. And that, that word there is, let's see what it says here in the New American Standard. It says brought us forth. Oh, that's interesting. In, uh, yeah, in the King James, it says begat us. And in the Spanish, um, it says, yeah, like g- g- generated or something. So, um, he brought us forth by the word of truth. He birthed us by the word of truth that we might be a f- kind of first fruits of his creatures. And then he says a little bit down, he says, um, receive in 21, receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. And then he goes and gives this um analogy and he says be but be doers are or, or, or living expressions of of this word, those who live this word and not hearers only, not hear ones ones that hear about the word, but the ones who become uh the the vehicle of expression for the word. Don't be one who deceives himself, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face, or the nature, literally here, it's the nature of his face. So he's seeing the nature of his face. He's seeing, and natural sounds more like, I don't know what, what, when the, what the translation of natural there brings to my mind, like, Adamic or something like that. But it's actually he's seeing what what the nature of it is. And he sees it in the mirror and he observes. but he goes away and forgets what kind, what what nature he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, one who will be blessed in all that he does. The language there is a little bit tricky. But I think the point is that the mirror is where you see the truth and yet how easy is it to catch a glimpse of that truth walk away forget what you see and become one who remembers a a a one who who ha- ha- that doesn't forget what he's heard and yet cannot by standing in the presence of it by standing there gazing upon it and being changed into that in- image uh, become an effectual doer or a, a living, uh, a living witness or a, one who bears the nature, uh, who becomes an expression of, the, of that implanted word. Does that make sense? So anyway, I say that because the labor was made out of mirrors. It kind of is a, you know, a, a, a mirror in the sense of a, a reflective pool and the, um and and both of those things both the water washing and the mirror itself to me speak of um, facing the truth okay where we are where our hearts are washed continually washed from the 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 residual uh stuff of the first man first creation first covenant that stick to that stick in our unrenewed minds not they're not really in Christ but they're working in us because we don't know Christ so we go to the mirror of the lord we see his view of what he's accomplished and we are conformed to that view we're conformed to his view we are we are known that's another one that has to do with the mirror because and Christians always I don't know. They 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 do um, some things with First Corinthians thirteen that they 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 make. He he talks about how beholding in a mirror, you know, we see in part, and and he talks he's talking about spiritual gifts and how they are in part. He talks about the coming of the fullness and the fullness replacing the the the, the partial. And I I think what what is very very common in, in the church today is to just immediately assume that the coming of the fullness, um is often the future when you die or you know with the rapture or something but I feel like the whole point of that chapter and everything that Paul is saying there is that the spiritual gifts are just the the natural touches or taste, the part of what we should be coming to know and experience in fullness, and the fullness replaces the partial. And that's what he goes on to say when he says, When I was when I was a child, I thought like a child, I ate like a child, whatever like a child, but when I when you know, but now that I become a man I put away childish things. And here's the here's the things of the adult. He goes on and says, Here's the here's the things of the adult that uh And it's faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And those are the things that the substance of which is, um, you know, it's like why would I need a prophetic word for someone to tell me that God loves me if if the love of God is being rooted and grounded in my heart, you know, or or whatever? Why would I need a touch or a taste of the? Not that the spiritual gifts are bad or that they're not real; they are, but they're temporary. They're they're touches of God in natural experience um, in in the natural realm that point to the the growing up, the true forming of the life and nature of God. And again, that works through this mirror reality where the things of the child are put off and the things of the adult are put on. Um, Okay, so beyond the labor, there is life. There's life in that temple. There's life in that tabernacle. But the life beyond the laver is not I but Christ. You know, beyond the laver, Israel existed in the house of God, but only as the stones in the breastplate of the high priest. He defined Israel. They had been judged. In fact, the, 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 the the breastplate is called the breastplate of judgment and 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 it even says when aaron wears this breastplate of judgment into the house of god he will bear the judgment of israel before the lord at all times remember that verse i don't i didn't write that down it's just it's, but it's in there. He will bear the judgment of Israel before the Lord at all times. So you're in the house of God. You have been crucified with Christ, and nevertheless, there's life. Nevertheless, you live, but not you, but Christ who lives in you. There's You're alive, but you're alive as one of the living stones in the breastplate of the Lord in the tabernacle. Okay, so the stones weren't just bouncing around on their own in there, you know, just ro- like a rolling stone gathering no moss, you know, in the, in the tabernacle, just, you know, rolling up underneath the veil, checking things out. They were in a very specific place defined by a, uh, defined by a very specific person. They were in, they, 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 they experienced life and they were precious and they were, they were, uh, they made it through the fire, but only because they were, they were in the breastplate, in the bosom, in Christ. You see how that picture becomes so, so essential. And every time that, uh, you know, the, the, the priest went into the sanctuary of God, there they would be. And he would bear them, he would bear the judgment of all Israel before the Lord forever. And see, that's why I, that's, you know, people, um, people say they want to know the truth and and i know that some people and I, I believe that the people that are listening right now probably are among those people who do but so many people want to know, say they want to know the truth but they don't want to they don't want to visit the laver they don't really the truth shows you to be shows what you've called your life the thing that you've known your life to be it shows that to be something that gets washed off in the labor. It's not the thing that remains after the washing. You see, the truth really, you could say it kills you, but what it really does is it shows you to be dead. You can't see the truth and keep the thing that you've known to be your life. If If you want to know the truth, you have to lose that thing that you've called life. And until you are willing, at least in some degree... To lose what you've known life to be, which is the very thing that needs to be judged from your soul. Until you're really willing to do that, until the Lord has brought your heart to a place where that makes so much sense and that feels so real and the thing that you want freedom from more than anything isn't, isn't just, it, 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 it isn't just hard times and difficult stuff and bad relationships and financial problems. It's not that. And it's not even just religiosity and organized church nonsense. It's not that. It's bigger than that. The thing you really want to be free from is you. And, and, and when, when the Lord finds that stirring in someone's heart I, I believe that he can begin to sh- there's room for some of the truth to start to to work and the truth is never because the truth is going gonna, is gonna to wash away the man that doesn't appear inside the sanctuary of God and you're going to be alive in that sanctuary yet not I but Christ you see you, usually the part of us that is like Saying we want to know the truth. That's asking a bunch of questions and wanting a bunch of answers. That's the part that won't even appear in the mirror. You know? You think the mirror is broken. You go to the mirror, you, you know, you bring your Windex, you clean it off real good, you look in it and you're not there, you see Christ and you say, what's wrong with this mirror? It, it doesn't show, it doesn't show the man that most people are looking for in that mirror you know it it shows that man dead that's one of the things you're going to see in the mirror but it's not going to it's not going to show show you uh fixed or changed or made strong or, or it, it, in fact it makes it makes you so so the view of yourself in the mirror is this vessel that is um has nothing but him and uh and you have to be willing to, to lose your life in, in a real way. Not in some kind of like self-exalting, I'm a hero, somebody, you know, martyr me kind of way. But in a way that you're willing to part with the man who doesn't appear in the mirror. Um, and at least to some extent. I mean, no one's no one's willing to jump into that with both feet uh, right from the beginning. But to some to some extent, that's when truth begins to to uh, appear in your heart. So, okay. So you could bring so, so there's life in the sanctuary. Okay, and everything within the sanctuary is an experience of life. There's and I kind of divide that up into the in, in the first area, which I'll get to later, but um it's kind of like life, light, and glory. that's kind of how I usually talk about that but but let me just say this life the, the the experience of Christ as life, the experience of it the actual living experience is what you come to in that you 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 come to that in that um in that tabernacle, and you can put, you know, here. Let me grab this little arrow for the diagram here again. How did I do that before? Like that, right? Oh yeah, there. Look. Okay, so there's the green arrow. So you can you can grab a lot of um, verses and and kind of lay them over the top of the tabernacle. And and for instance, John 14. I'm, he says, I'm going to the Father's house, okay, over here. This is where Jesus says, this is where I'm going, okay? And because I live, you will live also. And you'll be very glad in the day that you realize that. The day that you realize that I'm here, and you're in me, and I'm in you. And and because I live, you'll live also, right? But then he says, I have to go and prepare a way. Here's the way. He has to prepare. Otherwise, you you'll never... You'll never, you can't get here. So I had to prepare the way, right? But then he says, and, and I will send to you the spirit of truth. So now we're at the labor and this, and he will guide you into all truth. He will teach you all things. He will take what is of mine and reveal it to you. And, or as Paul says, he was given to show you the things that have been freely given to you by God over here. All these things, you know, but, but the spirit of truth. The the way is the cross. The spirit of truth makes that a living. And some, I, one time I said it like this: the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ are facts, and the truth or the or the labor is where you face the facts. Is where it's where these facts become so real to your heart. You know, the, the, what he has judged and put away, you can't change that. What he has risen up and, and, and glorified forevermore, you, you'll never change that. But here's where you start to see it. Here's where you face the, the finished the finished work. Um, Colossians 3. You have died, going back to the altar here, you have died. Your life is hidden with Christ and God over here in the sanctuary. Okay, your life is hidden with Christ and God. But whenever Christ, who is your life, appears, now we're over at the at the labor again, then you appear together with him where he is. So there's this revealing or this appearing. Whenever Christ is revealed, is how the New American Standard says it, and that's probably the better translation. Uh, then you're revealed together. But but he has to appear. He has to show you the truth. Or you could go to Romans six and say, look, you've been baptized into the to the uh, the death of Christ so that you could walk in the newness of life over there in the sanctuary. And yet, you have to know, and that's where the labor comes in, do you not know that you were baptized into his death? Do you not know that he who is, you know, and he goes through the, the knowing of this that makes the living of that life possible? He describes the baptism into Christ's death as a finished thing, something that's already happened, and he describes the newness of life as something that Christ has established once and for all. And yet there's this knowing process where we face the fact. So I guess I'm out of time here. It went a lot quicker uh, than I was expecting. But the, the place where the believer falls short is the labor okay we didn't get partially crucified with christ we didn't get partially translated out of the domain of darkness and made to dwell in the son of his love those weren't unfinished or partial or things that will be future consummated as often people they're not positional now but experiential later that's not true That's not you can't find that language in the new testament The problem isn't in what God has done. The problem is that the way that we know it is with the organ or the faculty that cannot know or experience spiritual reality. We know it with... Uh, the the faculty the net we try to know spiritual realities with natural faculties and we try to we think that memorizing or studying or taking classes or rereading or underlining uh, is the way to know it better but that's not even the right faculty nor the right kind of knowledge we We need a different kind of knowing, the knowing that happens at the laver, where the old is washed away, the conscience is purified from dead works, from a dead man, and uh, we look in the mirror, into a mirror where we don't even appear. And if we're willing to look in that mirror, if we're willing to let the Lord teach us his living view, well, you know, then... He's gonna show you something so awesome and incredible, but you're not gonna be the center of it. In fact, the idea of you being put in the center of it is going to be a very it goes from being a very attractive idea in the natural mind to a very repulsive idea in your, in the heart that's beginning to see Christ. And, and you start to, and I'll just, I'll end with this comment, but that's what begins to drive you crazy about a lot of things in, uh, I guess what you could call traditional Christianity. It's not, it's not the hymns and the organs. It's not the, the fact that it's organized. I mean, cause people strike out against all these things and sometimes there's, there's truth in their criticisms, but, but, but that's not the thing that's really at the heart of the problem. If you, it, when you begin to see in this labor, you begin to see the man, the, the thing that begins to drive you crazy at the at the real heart of everything that bothers you or feels wrong about maybe the, the the Christian experience that you grew up with or whatever. The thing that feels so wrong is that it's centered in the wrong man. It has the wrong man in view. It's talking about the wrong man. It's teaching the wrong man. It's God... God's purpose is for the wrong man. You're singing about the glory of the wrong man. I mean, it, the whole thing is—it seems to be that the, the smell of it, the taste of it, the feel of it, is the man who you're seeing less and less and less of. And the thing that you're wanting to see more and more and more of seems to be conspicuously absent. And I don't say it to be critical or mean, I really don't. I just I just feel like that's I think I can say that to, to to most of you um without causing too many problems. That's the thing that lies at the heart of what feels wrong about what is so popular out there in in the Christian world? It's the right verses. It, it it's the right cross. It, you know, it it might even be a really nice group of people, but and and a and a dynamic charismatic pastor that is very motivational. But if the wrong man is being put into view, the heart that's seeing Christ begins to feel repulsed by that because that's the very one that the labor is washing away from your heart all right so i'll um i'll stop with that